Welcome to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. Yes, indeedy, we do this every Saturday here, uh, streaming live from the White Stallion Ranch. It's Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. I'm Harry Alexander. Bunker to France is here. I'm still me. And Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. Yippee ki yay! Yippee ki Alrighty then. Today's program. <laughs> today's program. <laughs> oh, God. You guys. Today's program. Uh, we. I'm trying to behave myself, Harry. Yeah, I know Don't you are. Don't cast any aspersions upon my character. Very well, sir. BS, uh, BS on your aspersions. Today, uh, we're going to do, today, we're going to do a book. Oh, uh, oh, we've got two okay, authors on here. here. Okay, here you go. We're here. doing Standoff at High Noon. It's another battle over the truth in the mythic Wild West, written by Bill Barkley and Kellen Cutsforth. And Bunker's got a new, uh, uh, he's going to introduce the two fellows as soon as we get some housekeeping stuff taken care of okay. there. Okay, you want to read this one? Sure, I'll do that you one. You do that one. That's, yeah, yeah, that's All right, one. we got National Day of the Cowboy coming up at the uh, historic Empire Ranch. That is Saturday, July 22, from 8 a.m. until 1 p.m. It is a family event, ladies and gentlemen. You can tour the Empire Ranch by horseback. Um, I Not sure, but you're going to have to check with EmpireRanchFoundation.org to find out if those uh, trail rides are sold out or not. But otherwise, there's um, going to be bunches of demonstrations and vendors down there and... uh, well, we'll learn you to be a cowboy. That's what we'll do for well, National Day of the Cowboy. We'll teach you the cowboy way. There you go. Okay. All right, so. I've got a couple of little birthdays here I just want right. to mention. Uh, and last week, earlier in the week, Slim Pickens, born in 1919, oh, yeah. on the 29th at his birthday, one of, a, one of the greatest characters that ever lived. Today, very good friend of mine up in Idaho, Jane Garai. It's her birthday. Happy birthday again, Jane. I left a message for you. I hope you get it. And coming up on the 4th of July, our founder's birthday. Not, That's right. Not, not, not Abraham Lincoln or George Washington, but Emil Franzi. Emil Franzi's birthday on July 4th. He was a Yankee Doodle Dandy. Yes, he was. He God. surely was. Yep. And also... Sharing the same birthday, born in 1901, was one of the greatest stuntmen of all time, Cliff Lyons. Uh, John right. Ford used him over and over and over. And uh, a lot of the shows that Yak got credit for, he, Jack worked for Cliff on them. Wow. But, you know, they, they were a wonderful team. Anyhow, that's up. All right. So introduce our guests, Bunker. you oh. got a, you got a great name for them. Okay, well, you know... <laughs> These guys, because they write about the West, you know, it, it isn't right that they don't have a Western handle. Uh-huh. So, from now on, all their books would have to be signed off, Wild Bill Markley and Kid Cullen Cutsforth. Good morning, gentlemen, or good afternoon. Uh, welcome welcome to Standoff at High Noon. Or I'll see, I'll see you in the soda shop after, after school. Yeah, right. <laughs> How are you guys well, doing? Thanks for, thanks for having us. Doing good. Me. Doing great. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm going I'm I'm to cheat a little bit. Well, first of all, let me say that uh, Bill is in South Dakota. Kellen yeah. is in Colorado. And uh, it's not like these two guys got together uh, one weekend and wrote these books. It's, it was a lot of back and forth stuff. And uh, it certainly is. Yeah, yeah. 
and these things these things are really really good oh, I mean you know it, it, you want something a little bit different to read read one of these or read both read all of their books read them all you know that's the other thing too is you know uh, it's not like two guys sitting down over a cup of coffee and, and noodling the research that goes into this is just it's 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 well beyond awesome it's dark i mean they i find i find little nugget because i'm familiar with all these stories but i learned so much because there's so much stuff that you don't know so much that's left off and as these guys will expose so much stuff that's put into these stories that isn't true kellen kellen what was the impetus behind this uh book i mean you guys had another you did another one prior to this right so is this just a uh like in the next series of, of this one. right right yeah yeah this is our sequel and and uh, the first one did well enough that that we were asked to write the sequel and so we did and and um you know really good I, I when we talked about the first one it was really sort of the brainchild between uh bill and then i think you guys know chris and yeah. they were kind of yeah balling back and forth and then she was really busy with stuff and so Bill talked to me and I said well yeah sure let's do it and and then we kind of just started hashing it out and realized in some of them we had differences and other ones we kind of flipped the coin sort of thing but uh, but we went at it and and I, it was a really interesting concept to me because um, uh, like you say Bunker you know these stories right and so they've been around a while but if we, you take a different take at it mm-hmm. uh, two of us two of us take uh, uh the writing um, we both we both uh, write uh, one part of a chapter and the other part of a chapter and one takes the pro one takes the con and and we leave it out there and leave it up to the, the reader to, to decide what they believe and what they don't believe what a concept you know it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. like, it's like two dogs gnawing on the same bone yeah go ahead Bill yeah it all started uh, Chris and I Ence and I were driving across Nebraska and uh, we started talking about different topics, and we got on Cattle Kate, and uh, and she said, "Well, um, you know, she traded sexual favors for cattle." And I said, "No, no, she didn't." I said, "It was the big ranchers that wanted access to her water." And we argued back and forth, and then the <laughs> light bulb went on over our heads and said, "Hey, what a great concept for a book!" Yeah, well, the rest is history. I could just see them driving down oh, the man. road, somebody behind them, a trucker behind them, <laughs> seeing these two arguing back and forth, who, arms shaking. Who, who was driving? Was it Chris or you, Bill? <laughs> no, no, I was, dri- oh, I was driving. Oh, <laughs> good. <laughs> All right, what's the first myth that we want to tackle here? Well, I want to. I, I want to. First of all, I've got a myth right on the cover of the book. Uh oh. And you guys are familiar with the two silhouettes, I know. Mm-hmm. Now the silhouette that's furthest away. Who is that? <coughs> Richard Boone. No. <laughs> no. It's Bunker to France. No. <laughs> think about think about a fellow that come out with a gun uh, seventy eight LP in around nineteen fifty nine sixty. Uh, gunfighter ballad. Oh, Marty Robbins. Marty Robbins. If you look at the picture of Marty Robbins, yeah, on that, on that, on that album, that, yep. that's a, that's his silhouette. S- that's a pose, same pose. Yeah, also same the same hat. pose that Paladin uses. Yeah, but the different hat. That's well, and you know that cover came about. The, the, if you look at the cover on our our hardback, the first book we had. That's what I got. Um, it, the first one, I we we both hated the cover, but the. Uh, 
the publisher wanted to go with that cover mm-hmm. and look at it. You can't really figure out what's going on there with the, the opaqueness, but we in, in the uh, the paperback version we have it changed uh, to something similar to what you see in uh, Standoff at High Noon. Mm-hmm. So uh, they finally did listen to us, but after <laughs> the fact. All right, what's the first myth that we're going to tackle, fellas? Well, you, also, you, you name it. What, <laughs> bunker, you name it, we'll talk about it. Bunker, you do it, man. Well, okay. You're the one who I, wanted I, this. I want, I'm, okay, the first myth I want to dispel is who is who is goofier, Bugs Bunny or Daffy Duck? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, they're not in our book. <laughs> it's absolutely it's Daffy Duck. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Yeah, of course. Well, yeah. let's do the pros what? and cons. Why? You know, one thing I want to add um, in, in our book, too, is, uh, you know, Kellen and I, we do take opposing sides uh, in each chapter, but we both do provide all of our sources where I got where we got our information. So the reader can go back and, and check our sources yeah. and dig more into it and form their own opinion. In most books you, you read, the author, you know, has their spin, their opinion on it. Well, here you get two conflicting opinions on mm-hmm. the same event. Yeah, I'd like to comment on that because almost almost every paragraph, not every paragraph, but almost every paragraph has a footnote that takes you back to the end notes. Uh, so it, this is not like, well, these guys are just making it up as they go along. They are documenting what they're putting down here. And it, that's interesting because, you know, basically they're, they're dealing, they're going to the basic core history, facts, rumors, sure. legends, myths, and having to having to comb it out and especially when you've taken you've taken you 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 lost the flip and you've taken the con side. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Bunker, what are we doing first? Oh we're go- well we're gonna do the many deaths of Davy Crockett, King of the Wild <laughs> no. Frontier. Who wants to go first? Okay. Yeah. He went down he went down swinging. Well, give us, give, first give us the breakdown on the many deaths, you know, the story, it, you know, the compact version of what, what, and then yes and no's about it. And just, I mean, well, pull there, out the there, knives and uh, go for it. There are several versions of, of how he died. There was even a version that he was uh, captured and being held prisoner down in Mexico working in a mine. Um, of course, that, that was kind of bogus at the time, but there was enough uh, interest in it that uh, his son uh, wrote the, the American counselor in Mexico to find out if you know they could track this tale down, if it was true or not. Interesting. Um, and then, you know, you know, Kellen can get into the... Uh, he took the side that... Uh, I want to add, I wanna add something to that. Because and then I, executed by uh, Santa Ana. I want to add so. something to that, because if you think about it, here's a fellow, an American down in a Mexican prison, not a pleasant place to be, and he, he's probably, you know, this is some years after the Alamo. He knows the history and everything. He'd like, like hell, to get out of there. So here comes an American visiting the prison. What do you tell him to get... To get out there, hey man, I'm Davy Crockett. Get me out of here. That's what I think that guy was saying. That, that's a, that's a, a real possibility. Yeah. Well, let's let's. Well, well, and Kellen, so, Kellen, so, you're, you're, what, go ahead. right, right. 
so so to I mean to set it up right. We all know Davy Crockett was at the Alamo, right? And um, and then it, he the the two conflicting versions are: Did Davy die fighting, or was he captured and then executed? Mm-hmm. And so for the longest time, the the belief was Davy died fighting. Um, at the Alamo to his last breath, and then and then he was killed by the by the Mexican soldiers invading into into the Alamo. Um, but then, um, as as years have gone along, a uh, journal was discovered from one of the one of the uh, soldiers, one of the Mexican soldiers at the Alamo, and he describes Davy Crockett's death. At the Alamo, and that he was captured, and then he was brought out, and then he was eventually executed because Santa Ana's uh, uh, decree was anyone who was captured during this this uh, battle the, w- was seen as an insurrectionist, and he should and was executed. No quarter. So no, no well. Exactly. So. And I take the side that Davy was executed. I, I believe that he was captured, he was pulled out of the Alamo, and then he was executed uh, for for his uh, crimes that, that Santa Ana uh, said that he committed. Um, but I, I think before I get into that, it, it, it's interesting to note that um, in the same journal, uh, the, the Mexican soldier says that they were fighting with, with great ferocity and they were fighting and, and he mentions Crockett fighting as well with great ferocity so it's not as though he was a coward inside the fort hiding or something like that or hiding under in a closet or mm-hmm. under someone's bed right. he was fighting to the end but he was captured oh, he was oh, captured, oh. he couldn't fight anymore and he was captured and he was taken out and he was executed um, but he, he never stopped fighting. He never stopped fighting for uh, for Texas and for freedom. But um, but he was captured and he was executed. Well, you know I, that brings up a good point because there's the people. So that can say, I well, did he? Oh, go ahead. Side, go ahead. Uh, side then. Go is go. That uh, there are several people that knew Crockett, and uh, after the battle, they saw where his body had fell among his fellow Tennesseans. Uh, one. One eyewitness was uh, Joe, the uh, black slave of, of Travis, or um, uh, of, um, Bowie. Um, of Bowie. Bowie, sorry. And uh, the other was uh, Susanna Dickinson, who was married to uh, Captain Dickinson. They both saw Crockett's body with his fellow Tennesseans at, at a position uh, right outside the, the, the chapel there uh, where they'd been, you know, killed along with others. Um the other thing I want to say about the, the Pena uh, diary, so-called diary, it's not really a diary or journal uh, collection of papers. The, the notes that talk about, or the description that talks about Crockett's capture and execution are actually on different pieces of paper hmm. written in a different handwriting, hmm. and it, it resembles a fictitious story that was in a uh, Mexican newspaper printed later on. Wow. So um, you can't really call it a journal. Um, it, it's a collection of notes. You know, Maybe it's time to call in Geraldo. 
It's time to call in Geraldo <laughs> Rivera. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just retired, I think, right? Yeah, thank God. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, I want to yes, yeah. go into well, There's another issue with the diary. There's another issue. And okay. the issue with the diary is the fact that it, the Mexican government will not allow any of the paper or any of the journal to be carbon tested. Huh. So the fact that they won't allow it to be tested, even by carbon testers, experts, uh, museum experts in Mexico, mm-hmm. is a red flag for me personally. Huh. Okay. So the, the other problem is that the great Joe Musso, who is recognized as one of the Alamo experts anywhere and everywhere, um, he he has said that he has two theories on Crockett, Steph. One, as you say, that he was outside the chapel. The other was that he was just outside the south wall. Uh, and he was literally skewered by uh, Santa Ana's lancers hmm. um, on horseback. So, uh, because that, that, you know... That's those are both two interesting theories. One coincides so, with yours. One's a little bit of a variation. Okay. Well, so one, okay. So but one what? But that that coincides with his execution as well. He was not shot. He was he was run through with. He was uh, run through in the middle of battle. In the middle and, of battle. And and uh, the and it's more of a memoir than it is a a, a running journal or something like that. And it's written by. Uh, Jose Enrique de la Peña, and he was an officer in the Mexican mm-hmm. Army. That that is a yes. proven fact. Right. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's not disputed. That's not disputed. Right. But what is disputed is the there's a question about the the authentication of the journal because it, they won't allow it to be carbon tested. So, right. I you know um, I'm not saying that it's not true. I'm just saying that that's an issue. Okay, we got to do our first commercial break. What? He, well, hang on, guys. Oh, what? 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 I know you do. Hang on, but I got to pay some. I got to pay some. I got to pay some doggone bills here. Yeah. Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France. Todd Roberts with you, and uh, Bill Markley, Kellen Cutsforth, our guest. We'll be back. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true West, where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and a hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. 
Are you looking for a smart way to invest your hard-earned dollars? Look no further than Wilkinson Wealth Management. This is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations, not what the stock market says. This is a firm that wants you as a client, not just as a customer. This is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it. It's a new name, but the same great service you've come to expect. Imus Wilkinson is now Wilkinson Wealth Management. 7411 East Tanker Verde in Tucson. 520-777-1911. Watch Old West silent movies anytime at VoicesOfTheWest.net. All right, listeners, you like Westerns, right? You're darn to. I mean, you do listen to this program. So you want a chance to tell the rest of the world which Westerns you think are the best? I'm always ready to back up whatever I say. Here's how. Email us your picks for your top five Westerns. Tell us why you think those five are the best cowboy movies. You got any more you want to say on the subject? Each month, we'll pick one entry and offer you the chance to talk about your choices as a guest on our live stream and resulting podcast of the Voices of the West program. Pretty simple, right? We want to hear from you. We have our men scouring the valley. Email your list to bestwesterns, voicesofthewest at gmail.com. I guess that's all we need to hear. What's this about, Billy? I'm really anxious to get a hold of him, Ma. Why? He murdered Rusty Bradford a little while ago. Fiddlesticks. Billy Carson never murdered anybody. Has the sheriff been notified? Oh, that would take too much time and give Carson a chance to get away. But we have our men scouring the valley. Kind of taking things into your own hands, aren't you? No, just enforcing the law. This is the Voices of the West. As I walked out in the streets of Laredo, as I walked out in Laredo one day, I spied a young cowboy wrapped up in white linen, wrapped up in white linen and a cold as the clay. His homes in Montana. We're back on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Uh, Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, Todd Roberts with us. And um, our guests, Bill Markley and Kellen Cutsforth, uh, we're doing Old West Showdowns. Um, uh, these two guys are wrangling over the truth about the mystic old, mythic Old West. Mythic, Not mystic. mystic. So we need, somebody said we need to wrap up What's happening here with... I didn't uh, say that. No, but I know that... You didn't say that. Uh, Bill wants to talk. It, yeah, come on. <laughs> he always wants to I just, talk. I, I have just two quick things to say, and we can wrap up, okay? Uh, okay. okay, I've got two okay. comments to make. <laughs> anyway, because... One is because if any one of you guys mentioned this... Wait a second. Okay, let, go let ahead, Bill. Wait, please, can I say two things? Please. First one is... The, the Pena documents, they're not in Mexico anymore. Um, they, were, um, they were purchased uh, by the University of Texas, ah. and they're, they're housed there in Austin. So they're, they're in the United States, Pena documents. Okay, cool. And, um, and the other thing is, uh, I was down at the Alamo uh, last October, and uh, they've recreated, uh, reconstructed the, the position that Crockett and his men were uh, during the battle, and it's pretty cool. They have a, you know, kind of a wood stockade there and uh, a cannon sitting there. So it's pretty neat to go cool. see if you if you get down that way. Yeah, most excellent. Okay, I'm done. All right. What? Okay, this is the. I'm going to skip the one so we can move on because uh, we know there's like seven different accounts of uh, he was captured. 
this is the thing that you can neither one of you guys mentioned, and it may just be because you didn't didn't think it was important. But it was my understanding that after the after the battle was over, under the orders of Santa Ana, all of the uh, Texicans, all the people fighting against him, all of the bodies were gathered together in a pile and burned. Now that brings up the question that if if that happened uh, and Crockett was killed in front of Santa Ana seven different ways, uh, what happened to his body? Was hmm. it carried back there and thrown on the pile, or what? Because that's part of the that's part of the mythic history that's that's been out there for a long time. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, either of you have a comment on that? I, I think, as far as I know. Most of the bodies were burned. Uh, maybe a, a couple of the um, local people um, were not, you know, when the um, if their families went and asked for the bodies. But yeah. I, I think that the vast majority of all the bodies were burned. Okay. So, so that brings yeah, up the question of, of Crockett's body if he was captured. Well, well he would have been burned right along with. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they executed him. One way or the other. Yeah. People, well, there you go, Bill. You gave it away. You said it. They executed it right away. There you go. Yeah. I mean, well, I said the people that Santa Ana referred yeah. to them all as pirates. Yeah. And he said pirates yeah. are going to be given no quarter and executed exactly. summarily, completely. Yes. And then, and then the burning of them is it, it's a, it's sort of a symbolic of wipe them completely out. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's turn uh, let's turn the page here and talk about Buffalo Bill Cody. Oh, and, okay. uh, my favorite. And him, yes, ri- mine too. Him riding for the Pony Express as a young man was he a blowhard or did he really do it? He did it. He absolutely did do it. Right, he John. absolutely did. He was a young. He was a young man. No, so so we all know um, the Pony Express. Let's let's get this out of the way. We all know the Pony Express, right? Yes, Correct yes, across yes. the board. When we hear that name, everybody knows it. It's in. It, it, it's it's in our minds. It's in the popular culture. Yep. I want to say something like four or five years ago, it, Google on their doodle for the anniversary of the, of the Pony Express mm-hmm. ran a game that you could play on the doodle that oh, was cool. de- delivering the mail for the Pony Express. That is how well known it is. Mm-hmm. And I will say this to start off. The Pony Express didn't last more than a year. Right. It was a historic footnote until one man and one man alone brought it out and made it something, and that was Buffalo Bill Cody. Mm -hmm. And Buffalo Bill played the Pony Express during for his Wild West. Everywhere it toured, it and many times opened the show after the Deadwood stage would run, and sometimes it would close the show. But it was part of the show. For years, decades and decades and decades, and that is why it became part of American culture. So, if someone who had ridden, who did not ride for the Pony Express, what would the point be for him to have that in the show? Nobody cared about it until it was in the show. Okay. Until you saw it over and over again, and you saw the daring and all of that. Secondly, the, the the parent company of of the Pony Express, Russell Majors and Waddell, they were a freighting company. Yep. 
Buffalo, it is a proven fact that Buffalo Bill did indeed work for them. And in uh, Alexander Russell's memoir, he opens his portion about the Pony Express stating that Buffalo Bill rode for the Pony Express. Now, yes, he would have been a very young boy uh, of 12 or 13, but that doesn't mean he can't ride. And he started riding and earning money for his family very early on um, for freighting companies when his father died uh, very, when Bill was a very young boy. Well, we do, now, we, we uh, do know that uh, kids, the young teens and pre, pre-adolescents were all over the place. Uh, they were in, they enlisted in the war, uh, in, the, in the war between the states um, on both sides. And uh, so it's logical to figure that, yeah, this could have happened. You know, just to footnote, exactly. to, point, to point out, uh, Buffalo Bill is in book one. He's not in this book. Well, we're, we're, I'm just talking. About oh, I know, but I'm just I'm just pointing out because we're not talking about this book now. We're talking about the first book. Markley, what do you think? <laughs> Why did you guys have to pick a chapter that I'm probably the weakest in? <laughs> well, let's, yeah. well I, let's do it this way. I, I, I love, you guys I love pick a chapter. I mean, no, no, no. Let him he's, one of, he's one of my heroes, and when you know when when you have to take opposing views on things, I mean. Kellen, I'll tell you, we did some mentally mental uh, wrestling on these things. Like, you know, he'd he'd say, "Well, I want this one," and I would this side on this chapter. And I said, "Well, if you do that, I want to take the side of this and this other chapter." Sometimes we take a position that we really don't want to take, ah, but we mm-hmm. still try to provide the information for the people that believe that particular side. Right, and well, so. Um, I, I I love Buffalo Bill. In fact, uh, my my latest book was uh, <clears throat> Wild Bill Hickok and Buffalo Bill Cody, uh, uh, Plainsman of the Legendary yep. West, yep. Uh, <clears throat> which is uh, it's up for a uh, Will Rogers Medallion Award. Oh, excellent. Excellent. So we'll find out in October excellent. where that very good. Rank. Congratulations! Yes. Congratulations! Well, what, let me ask you this: What do you guys do when you both agree on something? <laughs> So again, we, uh, we we get we go back and forth, and, and Kellen has written several great books on Buffalo Bill, and mm-hmm. and he won this one because he said, "No, I'm a bigger fan." I said, "Okay, you're the bigger fan. You can do the positive side. I'll do the negative side." So from the because I got side, stuck with some stinkers. That's why I got stuck yeah. with. I got holes in a couple of situations. Like yeah, I, I get one. In the second okay, book, you really uh, did. You got you had some of the negative uh, turn. You know, Turnabout's fair or, play. Or, you know, I mean, I would not want to be in that position that Kellen was. You know, it's like it's like being in the rocks and having Poppy down below. Ooh. You know how it's going to turn out. <laughs> yeah. So here's here's what the naysayers say on, on, on Buffalo Bill. And again, I I don't hold with the naysayer camp, but they say that um, when they, when they came out for for the uh, the riders were supposed to be, you know around 17, 18 years old uh, at the youngest. And again, uh, Will Cody at the time was, was younger than that. Um, but again, um, you know, he could have. I mean, there's no hard and fast rules. There is no, uh, there is no, they didn't keep any list of who the writers were mm-hmm. out there. Um, the, uh, the other thing is, if you read his uh, autobiographies, he really 
Villeneuve Buffalo Bill embellished a lot. Yes. And uh, I mean, when you read about his Pony Express experiences, he's you know being chased by Indians and he's running uh, running his horse at extreme distances. Uh, at one point, uh, he tracks down he uh, uh, track he uh, he's somebody tries to hold him up, but he gets away from him. Um, so. Mm. And then uh, a lot of people say, well, Major's uh, uh, autobiography that he put out that had uh, uh, Buffalo Bill in it, they said Buffalo Bill grubstaked him for publishing that. (laughs) So those are are the, uh, what what the naysayers are saying. Uh, I myself personally, I think what was going on was he was, I think he was stationed at one of the relay stations uh, he was stationed out, out in the, the Wyoming area, and that he probably did ride from time to time, mm-hmm. especially if the possibility uh, the, the, that a regular rider couldn't make it, mm-hmm. that uh, that young Will would jump on the horse and take the place of uh, an established rider. So I think he did. He may not have done it as uh, much as he claimed or uh, had some of the adventures that he claimed. Well, you know, all of, all of the different people that we've had in this book and the other book, uh, they all have one great thing in common. They could tell a good story. You got that right. And we're going to tell another <laughs> okay. good story here yeah. because we got to do another commercial break. How about that for oh, a segue, hey. huh? <laughs> Sweet. Excellent. Thank you so much. Uh, Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, Todd Roberts. We'll be back. Imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business. Every year we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Ole Ajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 ski fields, two five-stand fields, two sporting plays courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, 200 full-service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, bringing thousands of people to the community. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. You've got some cattle you want rustled, but don't have enough henchmen of your own to do the job. Little lady up the road apiece won't strike a deal with you about water rights. You out there! Come one step near and old Bess here will spit right in your eye. So you need to strike your own deal, but you need the right henchmen to do the job. The stage is hauling a Wells Fargo box loaded with gold. You've got the perfect spot to liberate that gold, but blank henchmen to pull off the job. What to do? You better start packing a handgun. Call Red a Hench. We're a bad guy rental agency. We provide you with enough scrappy henchmen to tackle any job with specific directions. Just listen to what Red a Hench users have to say. Well, you know, when I joined Red a Hench, I was trained by Bud Osborne, Charlie King, and some of the best head henches there ever was. And I'm going to guarantee you that you cannot hench without the proper henches around you. And that's just a gentle hench. 
When you need sheer numbers of henchmen, call us. We specialize in stage holdups, water right disputes, squatter troubles, cattle rustling, and much more. Our rent henchmen may not be able to think their way out of a paper bag, but they sure can follow directions, and they won't sing to the law about you if they get caught. See our ad in the Saturday Evening Post or Harper's Weekly. Hey, not only that, when you're in the Long Branch and you want to go next door to Doc's to get that bullet out of your shoulder, get a Renahance to sit there on your place and keep your whiskey warm while you're gone. Renahance, when you need bad guys to do bad guy stuff so you can keep your hands clean. You let me do the work. Howdy, folks. This is Ray Benson of Asleep at the Wheel, and you're listening to the Voices of the West, of which I am one. <laughs> Franzi's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander Bunker to France, Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. Our guests are Kellen Cutsforth and Bill Markling. Kellen is in uh, Colorado. Bill is in South Dakota. The book is Old West Showdown. Two authors wrangle over the truth about the mythic Old West. You and you can find that bad boy over on Amazon or wherever good books are sold. Now then, better book. Better books. Now then, fellas, I want you to cho- you two to choose the chapter that we're going to yeah. talk about next. And then it's your fault. Yeah, oh, we you need to decide. Yeah, we can't agree on that. Commercial out for us. What's that? You know what I mean? We're we're going to be in Deadwood. Oh, yeah, I love that. Yeah. All right. August eighteenth. August eighteenth, and we are going to do this uh, uh, in person in front of an audience. Nice. In Deadwood. So if you're in Deadwood, nice. August 18th at noon, isn't that appropriate, Kelly? Yep. Yeah. Hi, yeah. We'll have our yeah. show down there. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. And so you might get to see someone get shot right in the nice. middle of the street. No. So, uh, <laughs> which one of you guys is going to be Jack McCall? And which one's going to Oh, Bill's got to be Wild Some, Bill. Oh, well. Someone's going to Somebody's going to like, comes out, I could be Jack McCall. Somebody's I get gonna, to do the shooting. You can get out of there, hey, man. S- somebody's going to stream it live. Man. Someone will stream it live, won't they? <laughs> well, that's actually probably before I get there. Right. Right. Which, Pick a chapter. You want to Jack McCall? My, mine, is, mine is Bill. I, Bill, I don't know if you if you have preference, man, but, but mine was Tom Horn. Tom Horn. Oh, yeah. 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 That'd be one of mine. Yep. All right, yep. let's talk Tom Horn. That's one of my favorites. I love that. Bill, story. you go first. Since I went first last time, I'll let you shoot first. You don't <laughs> shoot straight, so you'll miss, and I'll, and I'll clean it up. Oh, listen to that. Oh, Cheap shot. Cheap shot. Oh, boy, oh, boy. So, um, <laughs> Knives are out. So, there was, this is, uh, you know, southeast Wyoming, uh, ranch, uh, cattle country, um, sheep country is on, verging on, on the edge of it. Um, one of the, uh, one of the cattlemen, uh, Nichols, uh, he had flipped from, uh, cattle to sheep. Neighbors weren't too, too, uh, happy about that. In fact, his neighbors, the Millers next door, um, they'd been feuding. I mean, these guys, you know, it, uh, one had pulled a knife and stabbed the other, and mm-hmm. their kids, you know, would, you know, beat each other up, and um, so it was not good between the the Millers and the Nichols. And um, one day, uh, Willie Nickel, um, he's like fourteen, fifteen, something like that, is out uh, going to ride into town, and um, and he gets shot and killed. And so um, uh, during that time period, uh, Tom Horn, who was a cattle detective. 
uh, was riding through the area and uh, uh, eventually became one of the suspects. And, uh, and uh, people finally uh, zoomed in on him and uh, he made a uh, get drunk one night and uh, made a confession in Cheyenne. And uh, from there, they, uh, they started the tra- trial. Um, what's, what's interesting about the whole thing is, uh, you know, you can go and read uh, the transcripts of uh, everyone, uh, you know, during the court, you know, what, how they, what they were testifying uh, back and forth. And it was a huge trial. And it, uh, I mean, it made national papers all the way to New York City. People were coming out to see this trial. It was a big, it was a big event. In fact, they, uh, <laughs> they had, uh, at one point, they had, there was a fiddler outside the courtroom, oh, outside yeah. the courtroom downstairs. <laughs> nice. People were outside dancing and Entertainment. You know, jurors were tapping their feet. <laughs> um, but eventually, uh, eventually, they, uh, the jury decided that uh, Tom Horn had killed Will Nichols. Um, and then he was sentenced to death. They went through, um, you know, all the way to, uh, you know, asking the governor for a pardon. Uh, in between there, uh, there were a lot of Tom Horn fans, and uh, they had things, uh, I mean, there were threats of uh, attacks on, on the prison to bring him out. They even had a Gatling gun set up to Jeez. make sure nobody uh, came through. Anyway, uh, Horn made a prison break at one point, but he was... Uh, captured in town and uh, eventually uh, he was uh, uh, hanged uh, and that was it they, they had a, they developed a, a device where he actually uh, hanged himself where he uh, had to step out on this platform which released uh, uh-huh. water into a tank and then uh, or, or let the water out of the tank I forget which way it went and the trap door opened and uh, his own weight and uh, hmm. he was dead so, Kellen, your side. So, so we all know uh, since since everybody's big westerns fans here, of course, the, the movie Tom Horn, mm-hmm. starring Steve McQueen, right? Yeah. Um, what was that? Nineteen eighty-two, nineteen eighty, something like that. Um, anyway, so uh, if anybody gets a chance to check it out, it's actually really good. They play loose and uh, fast and loose with the facts, but when it comes when it comes down to it. The, I guess to me, I so Tom Horn. I say you have to give a little context. Tom Horn was he worked for the cattle bosses. He was definitely, uh, you know, he he did he was a cattleman and he did not mess around when it he was he was their favorite instrument. They would say when they wanted to bully someone, when they wanted to keep someone from. Uh, uh, a smaller rancher uh, getting their strays or, or getting into the larger cattlemen's cattle or moving in on their business. He was a stock detective, and he certainly was not the most well-liked guy for sure. Now, with that out of the way, why in the world, what would be the point of Tom Horn killing Willie Nichols? I just put that out there. Why? Why would he do it? What would be the point of killing a 14-year-old boy? Secondly, Tom Horn uh, was seen at the time that Willie Nickel was killed trying to break a horse. Now, he didn't see the person who saw him, and so when he was asked about it at trial, he said, I don't know. I didn't see them. 
but but he was specifically noticed by someone when Willie Nickel was killed. Secondly, as Bill noted, the the Nichols the the feuding families were at each other's throats so hard. Someone got stabbed. Other people got shot. Willie Nickel was threatened earlier before Tom Horn came by one of one of the feuding families by someone sticking pointing a gun at his horse. So uh, again, why why would Tom Horn why would Tom Horn kill him? And then secondly, the confession, uh, or I guess thirdly, the confession that Bill talks about was taken from him at, at early in the morning when he was most likely still drunk and hung over and when the the authorities went after the murder of Willie Nickel they looked at no one else no one else but Tom Horn they wanted to get Tom Horn they wanted to make an example of the large cattleman and Tom Horn was the perfect passy for that um, he didn't do himself any favors because he was a loud mouth and he was a jerk but I do not believe that he killed Willie Nickel can I add to that? Because I, I agree with you 100%. When you look at the transcripts uh, with Stoll uh, with that starting at the inquest, uh, right away he goes, everything is about Horn. And then you get with Lafors, who basically entraps him, gets him drinking, and then after a night of drinking, invites him over to the marshal's office where he's... He, Horn has been basically promised a job mm. with LaFors. Mm-hmm. And, Correct. And the thing is, as you said, he is a braggadocia. He loves, and he's, and, and he's, I, I can picture this, because I've had, I've been in this condition, and I know Todd has definitely been in this condition, <laughs> where you've had Wait enough in Are you. Are you talking about liquor involved? Yes, I have. Where you've had, where you've had enough that you're, you're telling stories to each other, and you're, you want your story to be the most impressive story. You want to, you, you start trying to uh, please the guy who's listening to your story, uh-huh. and the guy is feeding you stuff. And I, I, I honestly, I question the validity of the of the confession. Todd Roberts, what do you think about all of this stuff? Well, I'm not going. I, you know, I, I hate to say it, but you know, I'm. It's by no accident that today I have a huge pot of Italian red sauce on the stove on low simmer. So there's a lot of different ingredients in that, and I'm just going to add, I'm going to do what I did there is what I'm going to do now. All right. So there are two two arguments here, and I agree with both of you gentlemen simultaneously. So my question is this. We have on one side, we have that Tom Horn uh, in his confession mentions or something to the degree of he alludes to that he thought he was shooting old man Nichols who was believed to be a rustler or the cattlemen have told him that he was a rustler and he had studied him like he studied all his victims and the boy went out and grabbed his father's jacket before he went out early in the morning uh, and he was wearing his dad's jacket and that's why he shot him because he thought it was the father in the jacket. The other competing argument is this, that uh, you're right, Tom Horn was very proficient at what he did, and he was not well liked by the other side, being the wrestlers, 
or the little ranchers who the cattlemen uh, were against, and that somebody set him up, shot with Nickel, and uh, made it look like Tom Horn had shot him. So, you know, what do you guys think about those two theories, and how do they enter, and how much weight do they carry on either of your arguments? Bill, will you go ahead first? Well, yeah. Well, uh, again, just a couple of things. The, the guy who, uh, Kellen mentioned the guy, I can't think of his name right now, that uh, said he saw uh, Tom Horn miles away from where the... Uh, that was Flagger. ...shooting happened. Um, before that, Horn said, uh, on a different case where he said, he's a liar, he doesn't say the truth, and he's just an idiot. And so he had and that was brought up at the trial that that Orrin had called the guy that was trying to bail him out you know, basically a liar. Hmm. Um, <laughs> the, wow. the other thing again is, is that he did confess. Um, he, you know, people kept asking him, um, you know, you, have you had too much drink? Are you, you know, are you thinking clearly? He goes, Yes, I can hold my liquor. I know what I'm doing. You know, I, basically, I well, shot Bill, I've said it. that a million times myself. It's true. Let's just look back in history about some of my choices that I've made in my life. Who's here that's not guilty of that? Yeah, right, huh? <laughs> Again, the whole case really, really hanged on uh, what, what uh, you know, what, what came out of Horn's mouth himself. I mean, he was his own worst enemy in yeah, all of yeah, this. Yeah. Um, I mean, because they asked so. him, he said, well, I think in court they asked him, can you hold your liquor? And he said, yes, I can. <laughs> I mean, if you would have said, hey, I was just three sheets of the wind, I, don't, I didn't know what I was well, doing. Well, I've, I've never met a man yet who said he could hold his liquor who couldn't hold his liquor. <laughs> women are at least honest. <laughs> women are honest. Men are liars. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So the thing are, is, huh? I mean, he was basically convicted on his own word. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and uh, you know, tried and executed. Um, and, and again, uh, as, as I think both Kellen and I have said, this was probably the most—I would say—probably the most difficult one to do. It's like, yeah. wow, you know, you're, you're going through all this and going, "Well, did he or didn't?" Because it's still no. Yeah. Well, you it, know, it was my favorite. It was my favorite to do because it, there was so much. And and I will say too, and I and and I'm with Bill. I can't I can't call the man's name. But there was also another woman who had a had a boarding house or a with restaurant or something like that. Interesting. And she had mentioned that Tom Horn came in to the restaurant, and and around the time that he would he's supposed to be running from from the Nichols murder. Interesting. And she was defamed in the trial and said that she was in love with Horn <laughs> and that she they, and that they were having some kind of tryst. And she actually won a defamation suit after the trial had ended because they lied about her on the stand. The, the prosecution uh, defamed her and lied about her um, because that, that never happened. Horn didn't know her. She didn't know Horn from anything, but she had seen him. Uh, in coming into to her establishment, I just I, I, I it, it just it smacks so much of a setup when when you don't look at any other suspects. This is your only suspect, and and it's it's horn or nothing. I mean, it's it's right. him or nothing. 
Which yeah, that's, that's what, it, it's very reminiscent of crazy. Oswald in uh, yeah. on November 22nd. Time, exactly, time, but perfect. Yeah, exactly. Times have not changed. You're still the same. But we have to take a commercial break, our final one. That's a change. <laughs> anyway, anyway that's that's all, huh? we'll be back with much more right after this. For all you horny people. Copper and Cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Are you looking for a smart way to invest your hard-earned dollars? Look no further than Wilkinson Wealth Management. This is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations, not what the stock market says. This is a firm that wants you as a client, not just as a customer. This is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it. It's a new name, but the same great service you've come to expect. Imus Wilkinson is now Wilkinson Wealth Management. 7411 East Tanker Verde in Tucson. 520-777-1911. Read classic Western comics anytime at VoicesOfTheWest.net. Hello, I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right, it's called Horses Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. All right, listeners, you like Westerns, right? You're darn I mean, you do listen to this program. So you want a chance to tell the rest of the world which Westerns you think are the best? I'm always ready to back up whatever I say. Here's how. Email us your picks for your top five Westerns. Tell us why you think those five are the best cowboy movies. You got any more you want to say on the subject? Each month, we'll pick one entry and offer you the chance to talk about your choices as a guest on our live stream and resulting podcast of the Voices of the West program. Pretty simple, right? We want to hear from you. We have our men scouring the valley. Email your list to bestwesterns, voicesofthewest at gmail.com. I guess that's all we need to hear. (laughs) 
Stay back there, you operate, or somebody will be stopping last. Come on, son. This is the Voices of the West. Francis Voices of the West, Harry Alexander Bunker to France, Todd Roberts in Los Angeles, Knuckles O'Toole tickling the ivories. Wait a second now, i got to finish this. We're talking with uh, Kellen Cutsforth and Bill Markley uh, about their book, Old West Showdown, two authors wrangling over the truth about the mythic Old West. And we are getting down to about the time where we're almost out of time. So, Kellen Cutsforth, what is coming up next for you? I've got a witness to this. All right, quickly, Bunker. Gwendolyn Kimmel, she she swore that the Miller, what was it, the Millers uh, did the killing. And she was charged with perjury, which I believe was a ploy by Lesore to try to shut her up. Because after after he was hung, they dropped the charges. Interesting. All right. Right. Kimmel. Yeah, she lived with the Millers. All right. Kid Kellen, what have you got coming up next? (laughs) (laughs) He's surprised by that name. Oh, he's voiceless. Hello there. Hello. Kid Kellen, are you there? (laughs) He's looking it up. Did I lose him? He left because I won the, the argument. Oh, I see. All right. Wild Bill, what's going I, on next for you? Did I lose Kellen? Yeah, I don't know what happened to Kellen. What the he heck? must have got knocked off somehow. I'm working on a, a, a biography of Jim Bridger. Okay. So, uh-huh. That'll probably be out a year from now. Sure. Oh, Big Jim Griffin? So, Bridger. I'm sorry, Bridger. Oh, Bridger. Oh, okay. I'm Jim Bridger. Bridger. Mountain Man, Jim Bridger. Yes. All right. Well, we seem to have Discovered lost... Great Salt Lake uh, things. So. All right. We seem to have lost Kid Kellen. Do you know um, what he's got planned next, Bill? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I, I just, as I said, he and I will be uh, in, in squaring off in Deadwood, Deadwood August yeah. 18th. That is so cool. And, uh, yeah, it'll be fun. It's the first time that we've actually done it physically together. I mean, we've done it on the radio with, with you guys, but um, never you know, in person. So hopefully things won't get physical. <laughs> Somebody needs to live stream that he, event. He's and younger than me. Uh, yeah, he's younger than you. On Facebook, he's younger than all of us. Um, yeah, somebody needs to stream that event live on Facebook so that uh, all of us can watch it. Oh, yeah. um, I mean, what a great idea to do that. I yeah, mean, it's, it's being sponsored by uh, Deadwood History Inc. So um, I'll mm-hmm. ask them. Maybe they could do. That'd be kind of fun if they could do. I think so. Like that. I think so. Recorded. That's. I that's mean, a, you know. Yeah. A, I mean that that that's a precedence. It is. It's a it's a pretty cool thing. All right, Todd. You got anything you want to throw in there in the thirty seconds we got left? Well, I just think this was a great show, and what a unique idea you guys have created by writing this book. Uh, of showing both sides to a common issue simultaneously uh, through the book instead of somebody having to go read two different books and you, yeah. and you can't reference either side uh, from the milepost. And I, I just, my hat is off to you for being inventive and thinking in this way. And we want more. Well, thank you. And I, I, you know, I learned so much from this stuff, and my favorite chapter was the Tom Horn. And I learned so much in that that I, you know, I'm just. 
That's all. Thank we, you both guys. We need we need more. Oh, here comes here comes Kellen. Okay. Uh, hang on a second. There right. we go. Hey, wait, one second. Come on. An answer the call, damn it. Merge with call. Merge. Okay, do we have you, Kellen? Or yeah, you yeah, I'm back. I'm back. I'm sorry, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened either. I you think I lost bar Bill. Stool. I think I may have lost Bill, but uh, <laughs> the, 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 the question was, what what's coming up, kid Kellen? So, uh, Bill, uh, I'm not, I, you know, I can't tell you what Bill's working on, but for, no, for but you, definitely for us. Oh, for, well, for me, um, I am working on a, uh, book with, a with another, um, author. I'm actually working for, for sort of a ghost, right? But I guess I can say it. Yeah. Um, it, it's, uh, on, um, Edward Curtis. And um, I think everybody knows Edward, uh, the, the great photographer Edward Curtis, oh, um, wrote, wrote the North American Indian. And uh, did I lose him? Some of the most beautiful photographs you've ever seen. All right, um, most excellent. Anyway, so um, I am working on that, and it is a, actually a very unique and special cool. uh, book. Uh, it is working with never before published photographs. Of Edward Ooh, Curtis. So yeah, yeah. So where I'm really, really uh, looking forward to that. And we've been working on this one for a while. Kind of got cool. shut down with the pandemic and everything, yeah. and and then publishing and all that stuff got shut down along with the pandemic. Blah 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 blah. blah. So it's been forever um, it, it, to get around to it. But that is what I am working on right we, now. We, we're going to put you in touch, the two of you, with uh, a friend of ours, Travis Mills who produced 12 westerns in 12 months during the pandemic and oh, wow. his westerns are incredible they are. I, I, I dare say he is the next John Ford okay excellent um, yeah so I think that uh, it, the two of you with the back and forth he did a, uh, a movie the Pleasant Valley War mm -hmm. yeah and where it was back and forth type of thing and I think this he would um, I, I would hope that he would chomp at the bit to do something like this. So, um, he might, he might sell a story yeah. to him. Yeah, well, we're going to we're going to attempt to sell a story for you. <laughs> All right, excellent. That's how, that sounds great to me. <laughs> All right. All right, fellas. We'll, we're we'll buy you a beer. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we're plumb out of time. So, uh, Bill Markley, Wild Bill Markley, Kid Kellen cuts forth. Woohoo! Great names, man. Oh, yeah. good, good thing, Bucker. Oh, yeah. I gotta make these guys yeah, fuckers. on the money, man. All right. Yeah. All right, and that's it for this edition of Amo Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, Todd Roberts with you. See you next week. Adios. Adios. Adios, Emo Franzi, and happy birthday. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West.